filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Normally we have a cold open, and I have one, but I was voted down two to one because of too much body horror. So you're never going to know. Yes, no one wants body me. horror, Jason. The we body don't horror. Hear your you'll body never horror. know what it was, other than it is. Yeah, body we don't horror. want to know. We all agree. We we're all in agreement that it's body horror. It's just a matter of whether it's presented on the podcast. And I've been outvoted, so I'm not going to be specific about it. Good. There it is. There it is. You'll good. never know. Yes. Good. <laughs> Hey, hey, welcome in. <laughs> it's Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Jason's Body Horror and Hiccups podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all the from body Black and Red wasn't United. The hiccups. No, that's why I said and hiccups. Yeah, okay, okay. He had both body horror and hiccups, as he confessed before the recording. Um, we're all from Black and Red United, where we do not talk about body horror or hiccups most of the time. Usually we talk about DC United and other dmv soccer happenings uh this here podcast is about dc united and we have a one-to-one draw in new jersey to talk about on this show uh in the second segment yes it's a two-segment show because it's a multi-game week um the second segment we will preview the upcoming visit from the chicago fire watch that one at audi field uh wednesday night at 7 30 if you can't get there, you can see it on NBC Sports Washington, Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, and ESPN Plus, all the usual places. You should know it by now if you're a regular listener. Um, before we talk about anything else, though, Ben, what body horror are you drinking tonight? None. That's an, a horrendous thing to say. <laughs> like, just, oh. just think of Adam, 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 Adam. Think about what you just said. Well, alcohol does not do nice things to living cells in most cases. So you can consider it body horror in a matter of speaking. Okay. Okay. Anyway, what are you drinking? Rum and Coke. That's what I'm drinking. Classic. How about you, Jason? Uh, I am finishing off the last of a bottle of, I'm going to, the the last little tiny bit of the bottle is, is still in there. So at some point I'm going to be pouring it into the rest of the glass, but it's a Knob Creek select single barrel uh, bourbon on the rocks. Nice, nice. and easy. This is uh, actually a thing that I was given on the infamous trip to Erie, Pennsylvania. And I'm now finishing the bottle. Speaking of horrors. Yeah, um, no, yes, exactly. A show, no this more is going to be a show full of horrors, I think. No, no, no. no We're not in October yet, but whatever. It's a preview. Um, I've got a Big Wave Golden Ale from Kona Brewing Company out in Hawaii. Um, it, it showed up in my fridge. I think my wife ordered it on Drizzly, and uh, it came. The beer she actually wanted did not come, which was kind did of frustrating. Steal... Wait, Adam, did you steal your wife's beer? It's in the fridge. She bought a six pack to share with me 
Ben, ben, if you get married, you have to split all beers 50-50. That's the It rules. doesn't have to be 50-50. No, it's not. A 50-50 split of you all things. You guys keep separate beer accounts. Also, what, Jason, I am married. What people don't know about this podcast is that when we hit episode 500, your wives are going to take over for you on the show and have to do 500 more episodes with me. Uh, and I, mean, I doubt they're happy about it. Um, that'd be a which... better show. <laughs> Yeah, probably would. So now you're saying that we're we're robbing our listeners of a higher quality show. Uh, by we just have to get to that point. We have to yes. earn it for our listeners. Yes, but they have yes, to keep letting us talk at them. That's how marriages work. I know. You have to split everything. And podcasts. That's also how podcasts work. But Ben, do you guys have separate beer fridges or something? No, we just have separate kinds of beers that we like. Okay, we over our tastes overlap, so oh, we man, often. No get a lot of the same things all right anyway soccer uh dc united left new jersey with a hard-earned point on saturday a one-to-one game that feels a bit more like a loss today drew yearwood opened the scoring for the hosts five minutes in uh, and ola kamara uh, equalized from the spot just before halftime dc i I think it's pretty clear had the better of the chances jordy reyna nearly won it on a wide open point-blank header with 10 minutes left in the game, but he put it over the bar and DC had to settle for the draw, a road draw, which, you know, is something. Um, But before we get into that, I just want to say that this is exactly the slugfest that everyone made it out to be, that that the prediction said it would be. Uh, Matt Doyle wrote about it. uh, Sam Jones wrote about it. This was a brawl that happened to involve a soccer ball. I mean, yeah, and anyone that knows these teams shouldn't be surprised uh, that because of the commitment to high pressing, um, you're going to get, uh, if anything, I think the reactions after the game were actually out of line with the game that played out because it wasn't as bad as people were saying it was going to be. Um, And uh, even though there were not a lot of aesthetically pleasing soccer moments in the game, DC created uh, with over two expected goals. Definitely were the better soccer team involved in the game. Um, but, you know, sometimes you miss, uh, as, as I think I wrote exactly in the uh, the reactions. Yeah, this was uh, it's a little frustrating. Uh, the chances were definitely there. DC once again managed to largely keep the Red Bulls from very much of a threat at all. Um, they got their goal, a little bit of a deflection. Um on that one, but then there was a long stretch in which it was like, just like the, the game at Audi field where there was a long stretch of game that went by where the Red Bulls were stuck on four shot attempts uh, and nothing happened for quite a while. Um, they did have a little period in the second half, like midway through where they were putting the, I don't even want to be say dangerous. They were putting the ball into the box uh, in DC's half. Um, and that's about as much as you can say for the Red Bulls going forward right now. And, you know, there there are some things we're going to get into about this game, but, you know, overall, it was kind of like a, this kind of felt like a little bit of a shrug of a game that if uh, Reyna's header goes in, it's like, okay, good win. Uh, and I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about a road draw at this point, just because it kind of ruins the Red Bulls, like, last little bit of hope. Uh, they are kind of screwed right now. Yeah, they're eight yeah. points, or seven points below the line, eight. I guess, now after. Eight. They are still eight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Eight points below the line um, in 11. And they're terrible at ro- on, on the road. Yeah. And they have more road games than home games left. So they're probably not going to, like, straight up not 
very likely to get the points they need to get in the playoffs. Um, well, I mean, and, uh, let's just let's just mention it. They are tied on points with the Chicago Fire right now, which mm-hmm. I have in my notes for the next segment because we play Chicago on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, exactly. I'll throw in that that what I saw this morning from Red Bulls fans on Twitter was not so much like anger or anything like that, but the I think their the Red Bulls team site put some sort of quote package or something out where Gerhard Struber talked about how well, this is a rebuilding year and, and reframed the entire season. And it's like, they were like, yeah, we've kind of figured that out, but it would have been nice for you guys to say it earlier. Right. Um, They've given up on this year and are looking to next year. To a certain extent. I mean, granted they're doing a thing that European managers tend to do in MLS where they tend to come in and be blunt in a way that maybe isn't conducive to MLS, a league where you don't have to be good until September. You can sneak in if you're just good for two months out of the year. Like the Seattle Sounders special, yeah. I mean, th- this year they're not they're not doing it, but they're pretty well, famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Arena's had a lot of teams that did that, including yep. uh, the first ever MLS. The ninety sixers yeah. only really started playing well at the the last half of the season, but yeah. Th- overall, it's one of those weird things where you look at the Red Bulls and you say, you know, DC is good enough to beat these guys, um, even well, on the I mean, road. Uh, so uh, that's a little frustrating. This isn't a Red Bulls podcast, but also just like if you're gonna punt a year you need to do stuff in the summer window to prepare for the next year and doesn't seem like they're doing that either they did sign some guys that the that were announced the day of the game um, yeah but they, was those like were those were promotions and, from their and, yeah and people yeah. from red bulls too so yeah um anyways let's talk about our per- team i'm trying to do that <laughs> uh looking at this game the metro's found a way to disrupt DC United. They kind of flipped the script. DC United has been very good at disrupting opponents' buildups and forcing those turnovers uh, high up the field or wherever really they choose to, to draw the line of confrontation. Uh, the Red Bulls kind of flooded the zone and kept United center backs from getting the ball forward quickly at all in this one. it was uh, they, they had used a similar formation to what Philly did in the opening stages of their last game against DC, it just went very, very differently. Um, the Red Bulls actually made it work in a way that Philly never figured out how to. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of that was, I mean, some of it is the fact that Philly was playing the version of DC with Andy Nahar um, and the Red Bulls were not. Um, and it's, it's turning out that there's more and more uh, evidence that it's not just that we like watching Andy Nahar and he makes things more fun, but he also makes the team much more effective. Um, their record, yep. uh, I tweeted out their the record with and without him playing right center back um, from the start of games. Uh, basically, when DC has him at right center back from the start of a game, they're contending top three in the East. And when they don't, they are the New York Red Bulls uh, on points this year or Chicago Fire. Um, and this kind of is a explanation as to why, because the fluency that they have, the speed that they can build around these attempts to sort of block off central midfield with Nahar, he's able to bait those guys out of their shape. He gets them to step out, step out to try and press him. And then he gets away from them or he shifts his body one way, but passes back the other. And so he opens up and a little bit of extra space. And then all of a sudden he can break that line of three. Um, and, you know, the Red Bulls did set up a little differently from the union in that they had Klimala drop from the front line. They didn't really high. They, their high pressure started further 
uh, up the field than normal. It was or, almost or like United further up in DC's progression than normal. It was almost like United's mid block trap that right. they've been doing. They, they they want to press very hard. It's just they want you to get into the zone that they want you to. Right. They're not going to chase you into your own box. So they set up a row of three guys and said, "Okay, we're not letting you pass into the midfield. If you can't figure out the the how to open up these passing lanes, it's not going to work for you." So DC, unfortunately, the other thing with Nahar is that even when he can't or doesn't opt to do something, something disguise and fool someone or invite the pressure and then move around that way, he still moves the ball along more quickly uh, because he's and and we're not talking like taking four touches where one will do. It's more just like he can he can turn it over quickly, uh, turn possession over quickly. I mean, keeping it moving. Um at a rate that the other guys are just not as comfortable with the defenders right. that were he out is, there. He is an excellent passer based like it, it, he's been doing this for uh, over a decade now. And his, his experience uh, in all levels of the game uh, in attack in midfield in defense, he's just an excellent passer. And he, he, uh, harnesses that on on the defensive line, and he just makes those incisive passes. Or, uh, he, but but they're not just like like uh, balls lumped up top. Like he knows how to make the pass to keep everything going and make and and uh, keep everything going forward. And that's that's invaluable for this team, right? Because it's it's technique. It's also how he shapes his body on the ball, um, how yep. he receives the ball, so that. He can take that one touch and he's able to have more options. And, you know, it's nothing against the guys that were out there. It's just that they are not nearly as good at this. Well, and really, and, there and are no really defenders and, in the league they, that can match this. So There's been a lot of people calling him, like, his move to center back this year, the tactical move of the season, at least in the Eastern Conference. Um, we heard that in a lot of mid-re- mid-year review shows um, from the league and, and elsewhere because he's – a totally different look than anyone's used to playing. And he, that shows up in the attack. It also shows up in the buildup, like we're talking about now. Yeah. And he still has the moves to take on, uh, 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 defenders, uh, opposing defenders when he gets up into the attack, but even more so like, uh, opposing forwards aren't used to somebody with Andy Nahar's quality on the ball, just juking them uh, and, and, uh, moving the ball forward. They're, they're not, uh, and some midfielders, uh, like uh, especially attacking midfielders, aren't used to somebody with Andy Nahar's quality just uh, completely clowning them and moving the ball forward. And so uh, maybe he can't, maybe he doesn't have the stamina to to be an attacker every day of the week. Uh, it, it doesn't actually matter. Like he is uh, excellent at this role right now, and he is making DC United a much better team by doing everything from that right center back spot. And so it, 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 he just needs to continue in that spot. And uh, I don't want him to get moved forward. I don't want him to get, be a, an attacking midfielder right now. He's, he's a force multiplier. We talk about force multipliers a lot on this show uh, with Paul Ariola and in other players that, like, like we've said, Andy, Har- Andy Nahar is another one of those, and he's doing it from center back, and that's invaluable. Yeah, he- I was just going to say, to bring it back to this game and, and that what we see when that's missing, it's things like 
the Red Bulls goal starts with, you know, and, and Losada said that he felt that Donovan Pines had a very good game except for the one moment. Um, and he did also, which is maybe the strongest he's ever come to complaining about a call. Yeah. Um, because he said that 95% of the time that gets called as a foul. Um, and he's not and wrong. He, right. He, he's he's right. right. It almost always does get called as a foul. I will say Robert Sabiga let this sort of thing go most of the time in the game. There were one or two examples well, where he didn't, but mostly he was like, you guys can do whatever you want. This is yeah. a, this is that a means brawl. He, he I'm a wrestling the referee. Um, I'm gonna, that oh, means, I didn't see it. And you're hitting someone with a chair. Uh, that but, means... That means Sabiga is consistent. That doesn't make him a good uh, right. ref. Um, but what I will say, um, and not to defend the caller necessarily, but if you're a DC United player, you've been getting away with one of these uh, every once in a while this year too. Like This is the life of any high-pressing team. You are towing yeah. the line over possibly committing a foul and hoping that on this moment, the referee doesn't call it. So... I don't know that DC fans should necessarily get too hung up on this one going the other way. Uh, and I would also say that Pines needs to know that contact is coming and prepare himself for it, whether that is yes. kicking the ball out of bounds or hoofing it upfield or bodying up, uh, being more ready for the contact so he doesn't end up on the ground. One way or the other, you've got to find a way to be ready for that contact because you know the Red Bulls press a lot like you do, you know what you do every day, you know what training is like, and you guys know you're knocking into each other and probably getting called for fouls in training games and other stuff. You know that, yes, they're, you know, the attackers for the Red Bulls are kind of buying a lottery ticket here and saying, like, I hope this one doesn't get called. But when you're a defender in that kind of position, you can't let the lottery, you, you don't want the lottery ticket, ticket getting sold. You, you want to stop that from ever getting into someone's hand because they might win. Um, and so DC needed to be, and, and Pines in particular, just needed to be better in that moment, regardless of whether it's a foul. That's a thing that you can work around and avoid so that you don't have to, that one in 20 chance of it being called the other way or called incorrectly doesn't cost you a goal, which is what it did. Well, and speaking of the dark arts, uh, before he got injured, and I miss him dearly, Brendan Hines Ike would do all of these dark arts. He would he would uh uh make all of these like close to fouls or fouls that were close to cards, and he'd get away with them. And he he would do the things that Donovan Pines uh isn't currently doing, uh and he would get away with them. Uh and so maybe Pines needs to uh, take a notebook and, and learn a little from uh, Heinz Eich and Birnbaum and Fred Briant. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's experience. He'll, he'll get there. Uh, this one also, but, this, this moment also felt like Pines just, it was early in his first game back in months. Right. So right. Just, oh, yeah. he it's, might it's not rest. have been fully up to speed yeah. yet. Like yeah, mentally yeah. And that's, or part, of the and that's so, part of the chance you take when players come back in is that they are going to have some degree of rust. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, you know, I'm not of the opinion that that uh, the, in the next games that, you know, Losada should have like a punitive benching or say like, oh, you you made this mistake. I have to drop you. He might not play on Wednesday just from the lack of time. Um, yeah. The fact that there's a quick turnaround and he's been out for a while. But it shouldn't Jason, be down you, to. Jason, you're going to be starting center back, right? 
No, because DC doesn't have that many injuries, uh, which is an aside. People need to stop writing this. If you're a national writer listening to this and you're still citing uh, DC's injury account, I urge you to actually read how many players are injured. It's not really that many anymore. Um, that's right. like two months Especially old. Especially now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things move fast. If you want, I will gladly, <laughs> if you're another writer, for a, a soccer writer in this country, I will show you the spreadsheet where I've kept track of exactly what's happened with every injury. And you can see most of them are now red. It would just tell me the injury is, of, it's over. Like the player is back playing. So that's part, that's a little frustrating that I, I've had. But um, in general, I think Pines did have a pretty good game overall. This is the he certainly kind of recovered thing. well after that mistake. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, as much as I am a little concerned about the team without Nahar, uh, that ability to play quickly out of the back, um, I do think that when Nahar returns, it's not going to be Pines that makes way. Uh, he'll just move over to the move left, to the left Tony, side, and you know, Tony Alfaro has been doing a fine enough job and it is left-footed and that is an issue that pines is not left-footed uh in that spot but um dc has so far been pretty good at being kind of obvious that they're a right-sided team um their build-ups go to the right pretty often and teams have not been able to slow them down when it's nahar uh as part of that build out so i'm not too worried about that aspect of it um i think that that's probably where this is going once we get through this week of guys returning from international duty and coming back from injuries and three games in seven days um, before, you know, the next crisis breaks out where there's another international window and this, that, and the third, and there's somehow three games in three days built into the schedule that weren't yes. there before and et cetera. Yeah. Um, we've been talking about the, the absence of Andy Nahar, but Jason, you mentioned it earlier, even without Andy, even, even without Edison Flores out there, DC United managed to crack the two expected goals mark for this game and held the Red Bulls to half of an expected goal. Mm -hmm. um, and granted, the game is not decided on XG, but it's a better predictor of future performance than the actual results tend to be, um, at least in aggregate. And this is this has been a trend this year, DC United underperforming their, their expected goals. A little bit on offense, much more on defense. I think there's been individual errors, good finishing. People other than Bill Hamid playing goalie uh, have all influenced that that particular phenomenon. Um, but to, to it, some extent, oh, I want to mention one little piece of data I saw that is not great for DC's goalkeeping core other than Hamid. Um, I, I believe per American soccer analysis right now that uh, John Kempen's uh, goals conceded versus expected goals conceded are the worst figure of anyone with um, – 500 plus minutes uh, played this season as a goalkeeper. So uh, not that's not great. Um, I don't think that this goal was on him. I think it deflects no. on the way in and there's no, he's just prepping to make the jump the way the ball is going and it clips the heel and changes direction. It looks bad though. If you don't see the deflection, if you just see the side angle, mm -hmm. that's the only look you see. It looks like he just got caught flat and is not reacting, which would be very bad. Um, I don't think, though, that this one is a bad Kempen moment. Um, but I do think when I saw that data, um, I was it was a little worse than I expected it to be. Um, so that's not great. Uh, I think he's better than this uh, than that data says. Um, but, the, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with their, their data is pretty good. Um, I, I think he hasn't been performing up to what I would have expected out of him at this point in the year. Um it is kind of tough, though, because if you only saw the first shot of that goal, 
you probably are like, wow, that's like the worst goal Kevin's given up so far. Um, which, right. unf- and unfortunately, we we had some broadcast problems, so you might not have gotten as many looks as you had expected to, at that goal because uh, we spent a, a solid eight minutes of this game with no video at all, uh, which was not yeah the most on fun. either side of halftime. Can it's, I? It's not great. Also, but but also uh, as someone who wasn't watching the DC United feed, um, listening to Shep Messing isn't any better. <laughs> like I, I, I'd probably I'd probably prefer to to not see anything than to listen to Shep Messing because he's bad. Well, what we got was uh, some shots of New York City, um, and Dave, <laughs> Dave Johnson and Devin McTavish working very hard to have things to say when they also don't have video. Yeah. Um, and so they're stuck. They, it's not like they can call it off a monitor. They just. The monitor right. wasn't there anymore. It they're where alive. we are, which is like, oh, no. <laughs> What's but, happening? No, but like for, for those who didn't have the, the uh, uh, New York broadcast, Shep Messing remains bad. And uh, please <laughs> try not to listen to his broadcasts. When the feed went out, I was just reminded of this old blooper uh, VHS I had when I was a kid, like sports bloopers. Um, there was a, a horse race and the track announcers calling it and the horses go around the corner and the, it, there was fog on the track and it was so thick. He could not see anything. So he just says from here on folks, you're on your own. And that's kind of how the game felt like we just, what the game is, whatever you want it to be, whatever the people in the stadium well, say on Twitter, which is well, how we, we found did. out that United had equalized. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the tweet that, uh, I put out from the site account was like, well, let's just, um, assume that they've scored a goal during this period of time where we don't have video. And that is what happened, um, which is uh, bizarre. Uh, in the end, it uh, looked like uh, a short corner routine produced this goal. Um, Paul Ariola shot from the top of the box, also deflected, but this one deflected off, off an arm. arm. <laughs> uh, we don't know how long the VAR check was. Uh, I, I didn't see a lot of complaints from Red Bull's Twitter while this was going on. So I assume it was one of those where everyone was like, this is going to be a short one. That's a, a ball hitting an arm. Uh, it's hard to hard to deny when the arm is out away from the, the body. Sticking straight. Oh no! Oh no! Chase Messing Jason, tried to. I saw that. Chase Messing was very. He was like, "That was a natural position." Well, look, Chet Messing. No matter what you think of him, has always been consistently in the tank for the Red Bulls and very much against DC United. So <laughs> I I would think that you could like have a player, I mentioned hitting someone with a chair, literally wielding a chair and hitting someone with it. And he'd be like, well, look, I mean, sometimes you have a chair, what are you going to do with it? Um, so <laughs> that's, that's just part and parcel of the, the Red Bulls broadcast, I think is the, the, uh, there's an honesty to the slant. Um, I'll, I'll give them credit for it. It's not the, I it's won't, not the, no, I will, I, Jason, I will not, I mean, you can, but I will not. I'm coming off of watching another MLS broadcast that was slanted without, I think, I don't think they realized the bias they were expressing, um, a, a different game that I watched. So, uh, I will accept someone who knows they're, they're in on the joke, much like, I don't know why I'm keep coming back to this, but much like wrestlers who Pro knows wrestlers, it's a bit. Yeah, yeah, they know what they're doing, and everyone in the referee knows that. Oh, I didn't see it. What's the problem? Or you know, the referee gets hit with a chair and doesn't. I don't know who hit me. Um, so yeah, they they know what they're doing, and it's fine. I can live with it. Um, all this I talk do... about oh, go ahead. all this all this talk about pro wrestling. My biggest regret from this game is that Gressel didn't score, so that we could keep the WrestleMania uh, thing going. 
Well, or get an assist, which or an assist, he did his yeah. best. He did his very best to get an assist. He, he really always did. does. Um, and really, really, really should have walked off with at least one. He continues to lead the league in expected assists. Um, and in the difference between expected assists and actual assists. Yeah. Um, now, the reason I brought up the expected goals earlier is uh, I heard a lot of people kind of uh, like on or saw it on Twitter or in comments or elsewhere, uh, people kind of downplaying this team's chances um, going forward the rest of the season. And I don't think that's right. I'm still very optimistic about this team uh, going forward the rest of this season. We've got a ton of home games. I think DC United has played the fewest home games in the Eastern Conference, except for Toronto, who is not doing anything. <laughs> um, so with those home games, you expect a good haul of points. And despite their actual record on the road, I think getting a draw here is also an improvement because we've seen them lose from these positions a couple of times this year. But if you look at the underlying numbers, the expected goals differences um, in road games, DC United is actually the best has the best expected goals difference in MLS on the road this year, which is kind of wild um and unexpected and when the game is tied like they've been trailing so i looked at i limited it to um when the game is tied and they're still best in the east third best in the league which when the game is tied on the road yeah exactly even even if this goes even if the stretch run goes very well for dc they are very likely going to get one home playoff game uh right they're not finishing probably one um unless we have a they're not finishing bloodbath of upsets uh Right. Uh, elsewhere. Unless Nashville and NYC both completely fall apart. Right. So, so we're, we're looking at one home game at best. And um, I was actually reading um, Matt Doyle's column about the whole league this weekend. And he mentioned else. He, I think he was talking about the Sounders, um, how because they're a better team on the counter, in his opinion, they might actually not want so many playoff home games as it appears they're going to get. Um, but when you think of, you apply that idea to D.C., if DC is able to hold up to the data that Adam's citing here, that would be a good sign for them because they are probably if they're going to do anything this year, it's going to it's going to res- it's going to end with a road playoff game where they have to get the job done against somebody else in their building uh, because somebody's going to have to win a game in New England to get right. to MLS Cup. Uh, yeah, um, and DC has you know come alarmingly close to doing that twice, but hasn't managed to do the trick. Um, but in general, like even even to get to that game, they are probably going to have to go to Yankee Stadium or if Yankee Stadium's unavailable, Red Bull Arena under the guise of NYCFC. Um, Possibly some random stadium in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah, who yeah, knows? I was going to say um, Connecticut. What What is it like? Or uh, General Electric Engine Stadium? Uh, Rentschler Field. I don't know what the corporate name is. Um but it, there is, it's one of those situations where it's corporate name stadium or Rentschler Field at corporate name stadium. It's one of those, um, which I'm glad I don't remember the name of the, the brand, quite frankly. Uh, yep. They didn't pay me anything, so they can go to hell. Um, unless they <laughs> want to sponsor this podcast and then they can come back from hell. We can talk about it. Uh, filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We will discuss your brand returning from the pits of hell uh, somehow, a la Ghost Rider. Oh, no. It is, it is Nick Cage and that, is that other movie. Ben, we don't want to know. We don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Ben Ben has done the work to look this up, and I don't want to okay. hear it. <laughs> I want to acknowledge him for it, doing the work, but I don't actually okay. want to hear I'll, it. I'll, I will just say, I, I, won't, I won't name the brand, but it's a brand you would not think of. Okay. That's all. 
Okay. Um, yeah, DC okay. is good on is is producing good enough soccer on the road on a consistent basis up to now to be well positioned to win at any of these places. Um, granted, their last trip to Nashville went badly. I think we can all say that. Um, yes. But they've come close against the Revs. I think they are capable of going to Orlando and winning there, um, especially, you know, Orlando's not as good as they were. I feel like they're trending not in the right direction. Um, and they're capable of, especially, if anything, the way DC plays, I feel like playing on the weird and tiny dimensions at, at Yankee Stadium would be great. Uh, I think NYCFC would be like, this is a bad venue for us to play these guys at because it just means you're being pressed even more than before. Yes, uh, I think the game in Nashville was Sands Andy Nahar, right? Uh, I can look that up. I think he missed that game because we thought he was being held for New England, and then he didn't play there either. Um, I believe that's that's correct because this was also another one of the many uh, grind you into a pulp weeks. Yes, uh, that MLS built into the schedule for which is reasons, most weeks nowadays. reasons that we all love. Yeah, yeah. Nahar didn't play in that game at all, and then he also didn't play that Revolution game uh, three days later. So that right. is correct. So, between that, um, be- between the the team looking really good at home, having good underlying numbers on the road, um, having a lot of home games coming up, getting Flores and Ariola and Nahar and hopefully Hamid back for this run, I'm legitimately excited. Like I'm all in on this stretch run. I think this team can make some noise down the stretch and into the playoffs. And uh, I-, I hope other people join me on this hype train because it- we're, we're going to have fun. It's it's okay to get excited. Uh, yeah, like it's don't, sports. It's don't fun. Don't feel like you're setting yourself up for some sort of disaster. Don't like pre uh, Stanley Cup Caps fan it, um, which <laughs> I know I am familiar with. In which I would do the thing where I would tell myself in March, "Don't get excited about the playoffs because you know what's going to happen is it's going to be a crushing and brutal defeat to the Pittsburgh Penguins." And that happened every year throughout my adult life. And then every Suddenly April. So that would happen to me in March. And then in April, I would tell myself, this is the year. And then it would happen, except suddenly it didn't. But uh, that's part of part of the drill. But like the good news here is that like there are a lot of reasons to believe that this is a team capable of not just making the playoffs, but actually progressing in the playoffs, which would be the first time since 2016, um, which I think we talked about a little while ago. And I I think they have a distinct possibility of not just doing that, but like moving up the table in the meantime, because. Like I said, Orlando is not trending that well. Um, and I, I think from there, yes, you know, NYCFC and Nashville are the, the other teams in that group. I think and Philly also, is also not Philly is well still way. ahead of D.C. But Philly not, is still not ahead of D.C. And I don't know. I think I think Philly's going to drop. Well, I don't know if Orlando will drop out of the top four, but well, I think Jason, they're the most likely to. Jason and Adam, we should also just notice that we wish ill things on Orlando and bad things should happen not to their players, but just to their, their soccer playing abilities. We would like them to experience psychic pain from sport. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We, we talked a little bit about Donovan Pines. He had his first game back in, in a long while. Paul Ariola also returned from injury in this one, he uh, he got he won the penalty with a shot that, that again went off a Red Bulls player's arm very very obviously. Um, what'd you make of his performance? 
Uh, I thought he was fine. Um, I don't think it was anything special. Um, yeah. To, to be perfectly honest, I, I thought he looked not behind the play necessarily, but it seemed like DC was maybe struggling to get him involved as much. Um, it, it seemed just generally like not a major amount of impact on the game, which, you know, this was a game where not too many players were having a major impact anyway. Uh, this was kind of how it played out for just about everyone. Um, so I, it's not a like worry or anything, but I will say that, you know, I was like, you know, he's, he's out there. Um, the work is there, but I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily come away thinking that he looked like him at his best. Um, but who did, right? Like this was not a game yeah. that many people played very well in, um, which not is a lot of people why... in the league look like their best against the Red Bulls. And, and, you know, this is one of the reasons why the game finished one, one, the way it did is, um, it wasn't uh, even even the players who played well on the night. There was no like eight or nine out of ten performances. It was a lot of sevens. Um, mm-hmm. And when that's the case, you kind of, to a certain extent, you take what you can get. Um, and I am pleased that DC came back um, on a night like this, where you look at the way the game played out, and it would have been difficult for a team to generate enough chances to get back level. Um, but you know when you look at Ariola's, you know, overall performance on the game, he didn't complete a lot of passes. He did have, you know, he won the penalty, but outside of that, nothing much in the way of uh, expected goals or assists. That's very low. Um, he was in on some duels, but MLS's site says he did not win any of them. Um, he committed two fouls. He didn't win any. So, you know, maybe not quite up to the pace of play uh, to a certain extent, which is understandable. You know, you're come out after from, an hour, right? You're coming back from an injury, um, and you get dumped into this game where not only everything we talked about already, but also, um, you know, he's out there. I don't think Ariola, Kamara, and Reyna have played as a front three very much at all. I haven't gone over the to see exactly how many minutes that trio has played. I don't think it's very high. Um, you have the the build up struggles that we talked about, which the right side of DC's attack has, has been very good in part because, and they've talked about this a lot, the trio of Ariola, Gressel, and Nahar. Um, so when they don't have Nahar starting those attacks and moving the ball up the right side, the play necessarily goes somewhere else um, or becomes long balls. And that's not really his game. Um, so some of it is, you know, the circumstances of the game didn't contribute to him being at his best. Uh, but, you know, I will say that he'll probably also, say that this wasn't necessarily a great Paul Ariola performance. It wasn't bad. It just was kind of, he was one of the guys that was out there. A lot of guys come away from this game and were like, yeah, they were definitely out there. Yeah. Yeah. He got back from injury. Nahar or um, Donovan Pines got back from injury next week. Edison Flores comes back from international duty. Andy Nahar comes back from international duty. Junior Moreno comes back from international duty. Flores and Ariola have all of 10 minutes on the field together this season, yeah. and they scored a goal. They combined for the assist mm-hmm. and the goal during that period. So I'm excited to see the two of them. Hopefully Ariola can get yeah. back up to speed. Uh, Donovan Pines can shake off that mistake and continue to progress. And we see a nice, fun game on Wednesday night on Buzzard Point. Um, we'll be right back in a second to talk about that game. Stick around. It's filibuster.
All right, say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, If you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper, and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster welcome back to filibuster the games are now back to coming fast and furious dc united comes home to buzzard point wednesday to host the chicago fire were tied on points with United's last opponents, as we mentioned, the Red Bulls. Uh, they find themselves in 12th place in the Eastern Conference. Also like the Red Bulls, the Fire lost a close game in D.C. early in the season and then held United to a draw uh, on the return trip. Uh, the Black and Red will look to end the season series strong with a win on Buzzard Point. Wednesday night, 7.30, Audi Field. Watch it in all the usual places. Um, so not to you know draw more connections than need to be drawn, but uh, I feel like there is another Metro's connection here, and that's the the nature of the fire's results over the last several weeks. Um, up until the two nothing loss this weekend in Kansas City, um, the fire had played nothing but close games since mid July. Mm-hmm. They're just always one nothing, two one, one one games. Most of them they're on the wrong end of. Yeah. Um, and, and some of it is, you know, the, the fire are weird because they have uh, some good players. They're not, it's, this is not a team that their problem is that they don't have enough talent. Um, it always looks like they've planned a lot for every single game. It just doesn't look like all of that planning was a good idea. Um, it looks like the effort is there, but the, the execution uh, on a game plan is strange. Um, and so they end up having the talent to stay close and having the talent to even cause teams problems. They cause DC problems in both meetings. Um, but they ultimately either have a huge mistake. They fell behind in this game on a absolutely calamitous piece of goalkeeping. Um, or that, you know, they've Francisco Cal, if you ask any fire fan about Francisco Calvo, they'll probably have uh, all of them will have a different mistake to tell you about that they, they stick that sticks with them. Um, they're a team that tends to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, and when they don't do that, it's generally more of a an overall mentality thing where this is a team that doesn't have a huge amount of self-belief. And so when games get tough and some teams tend to boost their level, this is precisely when the fire tend to fall apart. Um, that game where DC visited Chicago a little while ago is a good example where uh, up to nothing, kind of fortunate to be up to nothing, but they got there. 
you would expect the fire with their, especially with their emphasis on keeping the ball and, and taking care of it to see that game out. And yet it always felt like they were one moment away from letting DC back in. And sure enough, it took four minutes for DC to come from two goals down to two, two, and they almost won the game. Um, that's the classic fire performance. Um, they are kind of a mess when it comes to uh, having the the sort of the wherewithal and the the mental strength and the game plan, the whole combination of how do we collectively do the right things to make sure we don't screw ourselves over. They unfortunately are just completely incompatible with that, that idea. So I was looking through American soccer analysis's tables expected goals tables and goals added tables uh earlier before we recorded and the fire are somehow underperforming their expected goals by even more than dc united uh their expected goal differential is not as good as dc's but they're underperforming it by a, a larger margin they should be like by expected goals they should be at the edge of the playoff chase not eight points out of it um but they've just underperform themselves by shooting themselves in the foot. Like you said, it, it feels like a different kind of underperformance than DC United too. DC United, you know, feels like they haven't quite figured out how to fully translate it yet. Kind of like right. NYCFC, like a lot of young players or a new system or something. And they just, they're, they're, they've got the fundamentals. They just have to figure out how to make that last piece stick. And the fire, it feels like is something different where it's just, you know, um, like you said, calamitous moments where sure. it's just everything falls apart instead of just not quite getting it right. And they also, they don't really have anyone that is able to cover some of their mistakes by adding goals. You know, Robert Barrich has three goals this year. Um, wow. I'm I'm not even sure who their leading scorer is, but I'm pretty sure it's someone with three or four goals. Um, this is part of their problem is that they don't, no one on the attacking end is stepping up to, provide a ton and when the chances are there they certainly don't have anyone stepping up to do anything with them and so this is one of the reasons why Chicago never puts games away and why they're always in so many of these close games is that they don't have the uh, attacking ability to distance themselves when they have when things are going well I think um, I pulled it up while I'm talking here Lucas Stojanovic is their leading goal scorer and that adds it that comes with its own Oddities that is because, not who I would have guessed. Right. Well, that for one, central midfielder, not necessarily your best goal scoring threat. Um, and also coming out of this Kansas City game that they lost two nothing, uh, that they went down to they, they were down two nothing in the sixth minute of that game, um, which is terrible. Um, but in that game, they started out with Stojanovic playing not just like central midfield, but being the guy that drops off to collect the ball from the center backs. And by that I mean like dropping so far deep that he's basically removing the ball from their feet and not even not even receiving a pass just literally right. taking it from them and being like you guys have done enough stop and I will take the ball from you and go from here over and over again um which is not his normal position it's not his normal role uh with that group and in fact it doesn't make any sense from that perspective it also this is a team that had Alvaro Madron, uh, who is the best player on the fire. Um, and if you look at the underlying data, one of the best players on the ball in all of MLS this year. Um, if you pull up that goals added table that we've talked about at American Soccer Analysis and and select the passing uh, category, the, the passing column, he's, I think, fourth in, in that metric in the entire league. 
Um, he's very good at using the dribble in an, kind of an unflashy way just to get himself out of pressure and keep the ball moving. Um, they had him in this game. He was available, and they just didn't have him dropping off, which is normally what his role is. They also have Gaston Jimenez. They didn't have him in the game. Um, so these are the mysteries of Rafael Vicky that we will probably never come to the bottom of because they do not make a lot of sense. Um, when I saw Stoyanovich drop back the first time, I thought, okay, maybe this is just like the balls on his side of the field or like Madron was caught up and he's tracking back. Like the camera hadn't panned far enough to see everyone. So I was like, okay, fine. And then it just kept happening over and over again. I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is just what they want to do. Um, it actually, if you pull up the, the league sites, um, game match center thing, the lineup that they've got posted in there, it's incorrect, but it's incorrect in part because they, they want to have Stojanovic as a lone defensive midfielder in a, what they're calling a three, one, four, two, but this is because of how far back he dropped over and over again, which is strange. It's a strange choice. Um, and also Stojanovic has his goals, not from, really getting into the dangerous areas too much, but actually he's kind of this kind of guy that takes shots from the top of the box quite a bit. He's not getting in the goal mouth where goals tend to be scored most often. So all of these things, these are, we're only scratching the surface of the, I feel like the fire are genuinely one of the most interesting teams in MLS, but not in a good way. Um, They do not make sense. And it's, it's a different thing when, whenever I've watched them play, I'm like, Oh, they're doing something else weird. Um, and 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 also, I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is a good idea. And then it doesn't work, as you can see from their record. If we have any listeners who are philosophy majors or grad students or or something, I feel like you could get a lot out of the Chicago Fire this year. Um, sure, the, uh, philosophical their study. Have, their fans have some existential despair. Um, <laughs> but I mean, just like it, it's one of those things, like really deep philosophy. You don't get to an answer. You just contemplate the question really hard yeah and i feel like that's the they're they're inscrutable in a way although i mean you almost never know what you're gonna get um i will say there have there have been some patterns lately that have emerged but um those are broad patterns not specifics so (laughs) they've switched to a back three i anticipate that we'll see the back three again but we are coming off of a game where they made a triple sub at halftime and switched to a four two three one so maybe they're like, okay, back three is no longer viable for us. Maybe they decided this was it um, because their first half against Kansas City was pretty dire. Um, or maybe Rafael Vicky is like, no, everything's fine. Um, <laughs> you really don't know uh, because he's very, very aggressively willing to tinker. Um, yes. He loves tinkering. He loves moving the pieces around. But there's also an aspect of like, your guys are bad in part because it seems like you never play the same plan. Like there's no stability. So you never get the reps to be good at anything. Um, So you're going from week to week, trying new things every single time and you're never getting good at anything in particular. And maybe that's how you end up with only 23 points. Like I said, there's a lot of good players on the fire there. It's not like it's a bunch of guys who are like, okay, I get why they're so far behind. They just don't have the talent. The talent's there. They, they keep, they, they seem close to putting it together from time to time where they'll get a win yes. and a draw and then it'll fall apart. Yes. Um, and it's, it, it's a little bizarre. And like you said, Vicky likes to tinker in the two games against DC United. They played four, two, three, one in their game here. They played, I think three, four, one, two in the mm-hmm. game at Chicago. 
Uh, DC United played two striker formations in both of those games. Like the lineups are not what you would expect to see now, partly because Adrian Perez started in one and Nigel Roberta started in the other. Right. Um, we but, I, speaking of Nigel Roberta, he may be in uniform in this game. Hey, that'd um, be he exciting. Was, he was listed as questionable um, at Red Bull Arena. He wasn't in uniform, but um, the the timeline for when he was supposed to be back is roughly that game or this game, and that was back when his injury originally happened. So he should be very close. If it's not this game, it might be the next game. But it seems, you know, I haven't gotten an email. We're recording this on uh, on Monday night. I haven't gotten the email saying that there's going to be a press conference tomorrow. So I'm assuming that because of the schedule, we'll have to wait until after Wednesday's game to speak to uh, Losada again. Um, but I think there's a chance that Roberta is involved to some degree. Now, I don't know, you know, that puts DC in a situation where they've got both Ramon Abila needing to get more minutes to get himself up to speed um, and Roberta needing more minutes at the same position to get up to speed. Um, so I don't know how that's going to be handled, uh, but it's better to have both of them available than not. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's you an interesting... Spell Kamara. Like, honestly, you can... Yeah. Kamara's got to be the the pendant starter at this point. Yeah, but maybe you can take him out after sixty, seventy minutes in a game when you don't need him to be scoring, and he's fresher for the next game. Like that, right. that's and a nice luxury to have, especially with the five the the five subs, which are more of a relief at this point than I think at yes. any point up till now. Yeah, it, yeah. To to watch these to watch some games like speaking of this Chicago Kansas City game. Um, I, I can't believe that Peter Vermes is still doing things like this, but he only used two subs in this game in a game that they led to nothing from the six minute onward. And one of them was injury enforced. Um, I wow. don't understand. Uh, at this point in the year, you have plenty of options to like rotate some guys in and just take some minutes off people's legs. He didn't do it. Uh, so that's his, and that's the Western conferences problem really. Um, right. But yeah, Chicago, I will say that um, thinking of that triple sub that they looked at, and I mentioned Barrich uh, not scoring very much, three goals in, I think, 18 appearances. Um, I wouldn't be entirely shocked if uh, Chinoso 04 starts over him at this point, for at least for one game, whether you cite fatigue or just underperformance. Um, Chicago is certainly in a position where they need to be looking for answers, and Barrich does has not provided reasons for him to be like ironclad in that lineup. So that's one of the variables where I'm like, maybe this goes the other way because it's midweek because he hasn't been playing well. Um, that's, that's one of them, but it's also, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot with Chicago that can change and probably will, um, which is unfortunate for trying to predict a lineup for them. But that is the way of things when you're talking, I can't imagine covering them every week. It would be exhausting. Yes. Um, we, we've talked about it before, but let's go into it a little bit. We know the fire want to possess the ball. They want to take mm-hmm. care of it. Um, how do they actually look to attack at this point? Like, are they a, a Caleb Porter, Greg Burhalter try to pull you out of position and exploit gaps with passing? Or are they looking to put guys in behind? How, how is it that they actually will try to score a goal? Unfortunately, it's a little bit of everything. Um, this is part of their problem is they try and do everything um and they're not really good at any of it because they're expending so many resources on so many ideas um 
they do want to keep the ball. They want to spread the field wide. So there is a little bit of Greg Berhalter's crew in there uh, for sure. But there is also a willingness to like play into the box early with a long ball, but not like from an angle where it's hard to defend more like it's easy to defend. And um, (laughs) you know, that's, it's just not a good idea. That's Um, straightforward through ball. Yeah, or or just like a ball like over the top towards Barrich and it's like, good luck, buddy, and he gets mobbed by center back. So what's he supposed to do? Um, there's a little bit of trying to possess long enough that you get pulled out of your shape when Madron especially is getting on the ball. Um, Madron, Stojanovic, uh, Jimenez, uh, all their central midfielders make sense for a team that wants to keep the ball religiously. Uh, but they don't quite commit to it uh, enough. And so there's a certain amount of, you can sense the frustration with some of those guys because they want to be on a team that passes you to death. And then eventually it's just like, well, we're stagnant. So at a certain point, the ball needs to go forward and there's no one making a run. And eventually it's, you know, Madron trying to play one of these easily defended balls to Barrich because it's just like, I don't, eventually we're going to turn the ball over at midfield and that's worse. So I have to almost like force the issue even when we're not ready. Um, they don't have a tremendous number of dribbling threats. You know, I, I mentioned Madron. I saw the Chicago game notes for that Kansas City game, and they mentioned that he is right near the top in terms of um, successful dribbles attempted, So when he or in percentage-wise. Um, so when he tries to dribble out of something, he tends to succeed. But it's not that let me beat my man and get into a dangerous spot thing. It's more like, let me get out of this pressure so I can complete one more pass. Um, so it's not that flashy dribble like Nahar or Kevin Paredes put up. It's more like, this is going to keep me from giving the ball away. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to get away from my man, but we're still looking to possess and connect. Um, they don't get a lot out of their wingbacks, um, regardless of who they end up being. Uh, they did just sign a a new defensive midfielder with the MLS under 22 initiative, uh, Federico Navarro, not to be confused with their left wing back, Miguel Navarro, um, who made his debut against Kansas city and, and the Kansas city broadcast. Cause he's only just recently signed. They were like, we don't have a lot of information about this guy. Uh, he's playing in Argentina. Um, he's a former Argentina under 19 national team player. Um, he might add some, a little more of a direct element that they don't have. There's a lot of guys that don't want to get to the point on that team. And he might be the guy that sort of urges them forward when they need to be urged. Um, but yeah, it is kind of a mishmash of attacking ideas rather than saying, let's do one or two things really well and just become good at making sure we can do those things, setting up, setting the table. I mean, everyone knows DC is trying to get the ball down the right to Julian Gressel and they've gotten good enough at doing that where teams know it's coming and they can't do anything about it. Chicago is trying to do seven or eight different things and they're bad at all of them at this point. And they're not always on the same page about which one they want to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, it might look a little different in this game because they should have, uh, 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 Frankowski back. Uh, so he adds some speed that they don't have. He's probably their fastest attacking player. Um, whether they play this as a, they did a weird thing in, against Kansas city where their, their formation. And I looked at the Red Bulls game they played before this and they did the same thing where in possession, they want to be three, four, three out of possession. They want to be three, five, two. And so Fabian Herbers is when they're in possession, having to run forward and join the front three, but when they lose the ball, he then has to track back and be the third central midfielder with um, 
whether it's Medron or Stojanovic or someone, whoever they end up assigning to be the deep lying midfielder. And then uh, the left center midfielder is the other side, but Herbert so is, is he having... going out to the wing or does Barrett flare out? No, no one flares out. Um, they just, it's just kinda... a very narrow front three. Yeah. So, so when he steps up high, um, the the second forward that isn't Barrich moves to the left to allow for it to look like a more natural 3-4-3, but no one goes the wingbacks or the wide players. These guys stay pretty narrow. Um, and then when they don't have the ball, he drops in, and so the midfielders can kind of shift and make it a, a trio instead of a duo. Um, but that does mean that Fabian Herbers is running back and forth an awful lot, um, which – He's doing as best he can. I, I watch when I watch Chicago, I watch him and I'm thinking like, this is a pretty good player that probably deserves a, a better setting than this because he's just having to work extremely hard um, for an indeterminate purpose. Uh, I have to say, I don't know that this is what they're trying to have him do. I understand on paper, but in practice, it's like, yeah, he's just not, he's not quite arriving in time to help the attack. He's not quite arriving in time to help the midfield. Um, you know, it's one of those, it's another religious philosophical question about the, the nature of toil and the virtue he's of certainly toil. toiling. Um, <laughs> I feel a little bad for him as well, because he also much like that. If you remember that DC game uh, when, when DC hosted them, uh, he very nearly had the equalizer late in that game. He had a header that yeah, he, sent and he hit the crossbar the against or, yeah, he hit as well. Bar. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's what I was going to bring yeah. up is that he hit the bar against Kansas City the one time he really had a look. Um, and it came from a high press. I will say that that was a pressure opportunity that jarred that one loose. Um, Chicago will throw a high press in there from time to time. If they if they see the trigger, they will go for it and they'll commit with numbers. They're not afraid of that aspect of things. They're not afraid really of of taking chances going forward. It's just the lack of continuity means they're trying to do all of this stuff and none of it is really well honed at this point. And so this is why they keep being in games where it's like, well, their talent keeps them afloat and keeps them within touching distance all the time, but they're always getting found out just enough times where they end up losing. And that is, I don't know what of those things they're going to try against DC. I just, I have a feeling that what's going to happen is that the team that always has worked very hard on certain principles and is, has refined them very sharply, is going to be better than the team that is trying to do 900 things. This is what people mean when they talk about the importance of having an identity. Yeah. And knowing what you're about. Because you can you can lean on that thing. And, sometimes you know, the thing's not always going to work out. The press isn't always going to be on for DC. The verticality isn't always going to be there, which is why they're, it's good to have a plan B. But mm-hmm. if you have a plan X, Y, and Z on top of all the other letters... Uh, as the fire seemed to do, it you never get good enough at plans A through E to yeah. to, to to really think about. It. So that being the case, how do you game plan against the fire? Do you just focus on your own thing, knowing that they're gonna be a little bit all over the place? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, I th- I think DC needs to focus on the norms of how do they press, when they press, the shape that they press in, um, and making Chicago uh, really have to deal with the fact that the game is about DC's terms. Chicago would like to try all this other stuff and that's all well and good. But if you make them just repeatedly play your style of soccer, they're not going to be happy about it because they don't know how to do anyone's style of soccer. Um, The one, the major thing I would say DC has to make sure they're doing 
is they have to limit Madron as best they can, assuming he plays, assuming he doesn't get rotated out. Um, that is a major concern. If Madron is getting on the ball a lot, then Chicago's playing better than you would have expected from listening to this. Um, they have to, and, and DC is not like, I don't think they're going to do like a man marking scheme, but they have to find a way to cut the ability for Chicago's defenders to feed Madron the ball. Um, if he's going to drop that deep to collect the ball, then they should probably be chasing him as he's dropping deep and just saying like, we're going to press you now um, rather than later. Um, so those are the main concerns I would have is, is really just, you know, really work on the high pressing aspect that DC always brings, especially at home. Um, don't let Chicago get comfortable. Don't let them settle into any kind of rhythm. Make sure Madron's touches are limited, make him harder to get the ball to than other options. Um, and then from there, there's not a lot, not a lot of defensive speed. Um, so maybe if you can draw them out a little bit, play in behind early, um, the options will sure should be there. Um, I don't think that, for example, Jonathan Bornstein is keeping up with Paul Ariola. If you get them into a foot race, uh, that's an advantageous situation. Probably not um, Julian Gressel either. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, they're going to give up space behind their wingbacks um, or even behind their fullbacks. If they switch to a back four, those fullbacks still move up. They don't. They, if they switch to a back four, it's not to be conservative. It's just a formation change because Rafael Vicky likes to change <laughs> formations. He just genuinely enjoys the idea. It's soothing to him in some kind of way, I, I think. Um, I mean, football yeah. manager is a fun game. Sure, exactly. It's it's nice to play. But, uh, yeah, it, the space will be there on the wings for sure, um, in behind um, Boris Sekulich, or if, if they rotate there, uh, John Espinosa on the left. Navarro, Miguel Navarro is kind of – if it, it, it's weird since they've played this back three that it used to be Navarro and Bornstein sort of going back and forth every game. So if they have to, had to rotate, one would play one, the other would play the other. But now Bornstein's the left center back and Navarro's the left wing back. And I don't really know what they're going to do. If, if they decide that Navarro needs a rest, they might try Bornstein as a wing back. Um, that's just kind of how the roster, they've got a lot of guys that are central midfielders. They also have one of those kind of just, um, link back to a football manager thing you shouldn't do is sign too many of one kind of guy. They have a bunch of the same kind of player. Um, Medron, Stojanovic, uh, Gaston Jimenez, Federico Navarro is a little different. It looks like based on this evidence, but not different by enough. Like it's just a team full of central midfielders. And I don't know who they would put on the left if they wanted to. Um, so yeah, I, I think the wings should be on. Um, and if DC out of possession can make it very difficult for them to get Madron the ball, they should be in in good shape. Um, I really, I think this is one of those games where yes, Chicago is talented enough to play around a press and they are willing to invite the pressure. They're not scared of that. They're not going to hoof it long like new England. They're going to try and play through it. And they've got some players that can do that. Not just Madron, but a few of these other guys can too. Um, but DC has been good enough this year where, eventually either they get you in the right spot and you make the mistake um, or they eventually chase you out of your formation altogether. Like I said, Chicago changed their formation at halftime because they saw it's going badly against Kansas city, another team that will press you. Um, So uh, I think the evidence is there for, for DC to set up pretty well uh, and, and get the win that I think they should be able to get. I think you have every right to be disappointed if they don't win the game. Yes. But at the same time, Chicago, 
like we've been talking about. They've played DC close twice. And I mean, granted that first home game, DC kind of let them play it close. That should not have been a one, nothing. There shouldn't have been a nervous finish in that one. It should have been this game is put to bed early like Kansas city did. Um, fortunately, DC is a lot better than now than they were in that when that yes. first game was played. So um, I like DC's chances quite a bit. The way that they are built to play matches up well f- against Chicago. Um, but if you start seeing Madron get on the ball quite a bit, that's when you should start to be, I wouldn't say nervous, but I would say expect to see like Losada up off the bench pointing something out, like trying to adjust something. Um, it might be something as simple as there was a game um, against Montreal uh, a little while back where he switched Ariola and Paredes' sides and Paredes started getting more involved in the attack. After the game, I straight up, I was like, "Did you, was that what you were looking for to get uh, Paredes matched up against somebody else to free him up? And he's like, no, the whole thought process was actually about, um, I wanted Ariola on that side of the field so he could press backwards against Samuel Piet. Um, don't be surprised if Madron sets up away from Ariola if we see that sw- that kind of switch getting made so that Ariola can help back press on Madron because it really is pretty important to shut him out of the game as much as you can. He's going to get his touches, but if they're quiet touches, if they're he gets forty touches instead of sixty, that kind of thing, then you're in the you're going very much in the right direction against Chicago. I also think. In general, Chicago mentality-wise, if you get the first goal on them, I think the Kansas City broadcast said something like they had lost 11 of the last 12 games where they fell behind. Um, So this is a team where if you can get out in front on Chicago, you're probably going to beat them. Um, They are habitually a team that concedes early and then falls to defeat. So that fast start we normally see out of D.C., it would be nice to see them jump all over Chicago and capitalize. which, you know, this weekend, this past weekend, I should say, we didn't see, uh, we actually didn't see the normal, the fast DC start. It would be very good for it to come back for this game. Yes. Uh, and even with the fast start against Philadelphia, DC United has now fallen behind in at least their last two games. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure how far back that might go, but uh, yeah. Uh, so it'd be nice to see United get that first goal and get it early for that matter, uh, make this game easy on themselves, let them sub people out. Um, it's an opportunity for Flores and Areola, assuming the two of them start behind Kamara. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I, I am really hoping for some fireworks for DC United in this game. I think it could be a really, really fun evening uh, down on Buzzard Point. But they have to figure out the anthology that is the Chicago Fire. <laughs> yeah. All, um, all of the all of the varieties of Chicago Fire. They've got uh, seven different flavors instead of just the one. Yeah, it's every every game, every moment is just it's like uh, American Horror Story. It's completely new cast, new story. You don't know what you're getting. I guess some of the cast overlaps, but yeah, like Billy Eichner might be there. I don't know that he's going to be at the game. Uh, I I would be cool. Uh, I I enjoyed <laughs> Billy on the street quite a bit. Um, so yeah, if, if Billy Eichner wants to come by the press box, uh, he should he should come hang out. Uh, I'll tell Jason him for that. one dollar, name a woman. Name uh, a woman. Name Marilyn a woman. Row. All right, good job. I'll give you. A right, I get the dollar. I don't have to run away like the uh, the the young woman with the yoga uh, yoga mat <laughs> who asked what like seven questions that were about <laughs> one dollar. Name a woman, including one of them being a woman. <laughs> uh, that does it for us. Um, I'm proud of you, Jason. You did well. 
I did. I named a woman despite being (laughs) yelled at uh, suddenly. Yeah. Um, Thank you all for listening uh, and and putting up with us uh, on a weekly or twice weekly basis. We'll be back later this week to talk about the Chicago game afterwards and preview the, this weekend's game against Atlanta. Um, If you want to support us financially, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. When we have the opportunity and the time to uh, release episodes early, we'd like to do that for our Patreon supporters. So if that, if that sounds like something you'd be into patreon.com slash filibuster for all your other written content needs, black and red united.com is the place on Twitter, it's at Black and Red U or at Filibuster DCU. Uh, find us uh, or send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com, especially, but not only, but especially if you are looking to advertise on the, this particular podcast. Uh, find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, download, subscribe, rate, and review. I'm told ratings and reviews are very helpful. I really like it when you tell a friend about the show. So when you are uh, pre gaming on Wednesday or, or Saturday for that matter, uh, just Tell a friend about the show and what you learned listening to this. And uh, hopefully they'll start listening too. And you'll have something else to talk about. And won't that be nice for everyone? For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. It was cardboard going under my thumbnail. I did say what it was. That's the body order. Ben's going to be so mad at you. Yep.